This is Limitless Possibility. I'm Yannick Maya. And I'm Luc Olivier Dumeble. And our episode this week is... About Battle Royale Games. I've been looking forward to this one. Me too. I've been preparing a lot for this one. <laughs> but first we have some follow-up. Yes, we do. So last weekend, I was finally able to try uh, a PSVR setup, which coincidentally was Yannick's PSVR setup. Mm-hmm. So uh, I was able to go to Trois-Rivières and meet with Yannick. And I was able to try a setup, which started by uh, the first game that I tried was Astrobot. And the best way to describe it was, I think it could have removed the PSVR headset from my head and say like, okay, no, you, you had enough. And that would be like, okay, I need a PSVR setup like right now. <laughs> I think, I wouldn't say you downplayed that, but you were quite, um, quite upfront saying like, this is an amazing game, not only a PSVR, a VR game, but it's, it's got a, a great game. And this is the best showcase of VR that I've ever tried and that I've ever heard, to be honest. It feels to me that a lot of it are just like kind of experience stuff. And, uh, I think one of the, one of the one I've seen was like kind of you, uh, you go on a roller coaster and like all of those, uh, weird kind of VR experiences. This one is just a good game. That also needs to be on VR. So, yeah, I strongly suggest that you try to uh, see or try to play Astrobot somewhere, somehow. Uh, and maybe if you do, you might end up spending $500 because Astrobot is quite good. I think I played a couple of levels and I was already hooked. Mm-hmm. The next one was one of our favorite uh Gran Turismo Sport. Mm-hmm. This one you are quite critical of its VR mode because this one is really a VR mode, as a VR mode itself. Uh, and I think I've play- I've decided yes. So I've decided to use one of your uh, like garage cars uh, that you've um, created yourself. Uh, no, I think that one was downloaded or something. Yes, it was downloaded. I yeah. don't have the talent to make these cars. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, I decided because I really love uh, Gran Turismo that I'll play the racetrack that I like a lot. So the uh, oh, I always I'm sure I butchering I am butchering this its German name, but the Nordschleife. No, that uh, sounds right to me. Really? Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So the Nurburgring in Germany, in the city of Nurburg, and uh, the Nordschleife is the section that is around. 20 kilometers oh man i'm blanking on the length of it but all of this is, is a track a race track that i really love to play on gran turismo sport and i think a two-thirds after like two-thirds of a lap let's say i was like okay no, no, i'm done i'm done the quality of the vr aspect is quite good but the effect of it on myself and of course after playing maybe like i would say like 30 minutes of Astrobot was a bit too much for me. I think the best way I describe it to you at that point was that the non-effect of the G-forces not being applied on my body but being applied to my vision was super strange, especially for somebody that kind of goes on track sometimes and I've like enjoyed driving cars on racetracks. It's like it was triggering that part of my brain but not the senses in my body, which that was 
fun but super strange like i remember the, the first few minutes um when i started uh, to go around the ring i was like oh my god it looks amazing it's really nice i really like the experience the cockpit experience like kind of reminds me when i'm in my car blah 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 and then after like 10 minutes I was like oh my goodness uh that is quite heavy and that would be a game where you would play like like a 10 to 15 minute session and then i will just like say okay my experience for it today is done and i'll play it a little more compared to astrobot it was really hard to say oh let's try another game but i, I kind of knew that um, if i want to enjoy some of yannick's game i would like to kind of do like 15 to 20 minutes on each game at most because uh you kind of mostly said that after an hour on, and even depending on which game you were playing that an hour could be too long or like too tedious uh and even tiring to play i don't think astrobot would be that but grand twist more sport after like 10 15 minutes not even because it would have been like five or six minutes that would have been already too much we should also point out to our less motorhead listeners that the norge life uh, one lap takes about like nine to ten minutes just because you said two thirds of a lap, so if people think like you lasted forty seconds, that's not particularly. No, no, and that's why I did mention it's like, if I recall correctly, it's like around fifteen kilometers of length. So it's a, it's a huge track, um, and it's quite well known in the uh, car industry because a lot of manufacturers go there to uh, kind of race tests or just like do some proper testing of their more sportier version of their car and there's a lot of big races happening there too the last game i tried on a setup it was ace combat 7 which you uh made me play the first vr mission if i recall correctly that's that was correct the first. right and i think your characterization of the like beginning of it was quite on spot it was good that you give me a small tutorial in the normal mode before like showing me the controls because uh, like like you said in our episode about it uh, it takes about like two minutes where you just like are in the middle of the ocean you do your shit you have fun and then realize that oh my god i need to kill down some planes or shoot down some planes i i think i died twice yes that twice. sounds right yeah and after the second time i i felt that it was kind of uh getting uh the gist of the controllers like it felt that the second round was better than the first one definitely but at that point i've i have played maybe like an hour 15 maybe 20 minutes i was quite getting tired of the vr effect and i was like oh, okay I, i'm sure i would, could play more then i started to have a small headache too so i was like i'll put it down and i think like an hour and a half of vr gameplay is enough for me for today so i guess i should answer the question am i planning to buy one and the answer is no like i i won't hesitate even if i really loved astrobot um like the other games i don't think i have that much vr games uh from what you've described some of the games you want to buy soon and you'll be talking about one you just bought recently uh i don't feel that i really enjoy those types of games i just they're not games like or like big names that i already enjoyed without vr so i'm not like tempted to just buy them for vr so i would say that i would have enjoyed maybe astrobot and gd sport gt sports so buying a psvr setup for two games is kind of not great um though i might like like i really like the i uh, really liked uh, ace combat 7 so i might 
be tempted to buy it if I see a good deal, like maybe next uh, Christmas season, uh, because it felt like it was a really good game. And that maybe one day, if I decide to get a PSVR, that I'll have this game. And that's kind of the, the same idea for GT Sport. GT Sport is if I decide someday that I want to buy a setup, I will have that game that I know that I can play. But I do know that the come for those two games that the VR mode is kind of limited compared to Astrobot, where the game is VR and it's not only a mode. Yeah, definitely. And it, it seems to be like really hard to balance for developers if you want to go the VR mode route because you want to sort of take into consideration that your play sessions have to be shorter because your VR is more tiring to the player. So you want to make like shorter games. And one of the ways of getting that shorter game is to just make it a tacked on VR mode. You just have to make the VR mode actually good, which is kind of what Ace Combat did. It was maybe a little bit short, but otherwise it's very good. Um, and it, it's not necessarily that it's limited. It's just shorter, uh, in that case. Um, and it, like, I, I guess this is the natural transition into talking about Skyrim VR, which I bought today because the 25th anniversary of the Elder Scrolls is happening this week. And therefore, Skyrim VR has been on sale for the very first time. Uh, usually it's an $80 game. I got it for $50. So wow, I that's can't a deal. complain there. Yeah. Uh, and Skyrim is, a game you can basically play forever. Uh, it is a big open world. Imagine a Dungeons and Dragons campaign, except in a Norse mythology setting that can last hundreds of hours if you want to. Uh, so it's the first VR game I've really played that is a large open world and feels very much like large open world video games we're used to because it's literally just a large uh, AAA video game that was an open world in 2010 from the PS3 era that they ported to PSVR. And it's very, well, uh, it's too early for me to judge the game itself. But the main reason I was drawn to Skyrim VR is that uh, because of its like Norse setting and like Scandinavian look, it's got amazing environments. And that was mainly what I wanted to experience in VR. I didn't really care so much about the game aspect of it, although I am starting to get a little bit into it. Now I've played about two or three hours tonight. Um, and it's interesting because Bethesda, which develops this game, has a reputation as making very buggy and glitchy games. In fact, this reputation has become such a joke in the community that Bethesda basically doesn't patch bugs anymore because they think it's part of their identity. So unless a bug actually prevents you from playing the game the intended way, they won't patch it. Um, this is sometimes a problem. And in VR, I think it's a little bit more of a problem than it is in non-VR because uh, things like glitchy animations stand out a lot more in VR than they do in uh, real life. Or even just like janky... Uh, game stuff that we're used to like in video games it's fairly common that you're going to say your entire voice line and then there's going to be like a half second delay and then you're going to rotate to the next person you're going to talk to if you're an npc and then a new voice line will start up after another delay and it feels like you're talking to animatronic robots and not really to human people when you're in vr that effect stands out even more to you because you're expecting things to behave like actual people and that was like no, I mean, Bethesda is also really well known for their weird NPCs, so it makes things worse. But uh, 
it certainly feels like a weird uncanny valley am i living in this theme park of animatronic robots thing that's going on at all times um so that's a little weird um skyrim is sort of known for having this huge world so naturally there's a fast travel system although like when you're in vr you don't really want to fast travel because you just want to like go through the world itself because it's beautiful and you have a lot more things it feels a lot more like natural exploration than regular video games do uh which i find really cool um and the other thing is like i'm not going to say that i am like a huge fan of horror or anything uh, I'm a big scaredy cat, and even just, like, mildly creepy things become a lot scarier in VR. Like, I don't know how people play Resident Evil in VR oh or goodness. other stuff like that, because that is intentionally trying to be scary. Whereas, sometimes there's just a room that's really creepy, and you are deeply disturbed, and there's nothing scary in the room. It's just, it looks really creepy, and it freaks you out even more, because you feel like you're in it. Um, so I really liked my little exploration time in Skyrim VR. There are some weird things with, um, like motion in the game. Uh, the game, the opening cutscene when you're in the game, uh, starts on a horse carriage and the horse animation, first of all, was glitching. So, <laughs> so like the, the horse was sort of like very like walking crooked. And what that meant is that the, uh, chariot that I was in was also cricket, moving cricket all the time, which was like somewhat nauseating, uh, which was not great uh, for our first experience. And the default control scheme is really weird because it sort of does the uh, Gran Turismo showroom thing where it just jumps. If you use the right thumbstick, it doesn't actually like move smoothly like you're used to in video games. And apparently that was how the game launched and they added in a smooth option later, which is what I'm using now because it was insane. I was driving crazy. Every time I touched the right stick, I wanted to die. Uh, so there are little tweaks like that, but luckily a lot, a lot of the controls are customizable enough that it can be a non-issue. Um, but I'm just really interested in like exploring this fast world and these crazy, beautiful environments in VR because like that's what I wanted. And so far, I'm getting what I wanted out of it, even if the game isn't perfect. So that's what I have to say about Skyrim VR. Do you have anything else before we move on to some home automation follow-up? No, I think that's it for me. Uh, I'm sure next time we'll see each other. Maybe I'll, I'll like piggyback on your setup again because I really like the Astrobot, but... More than that, I think uh, for me, uh, PSVR is just going to stay where it is right now, aka at the store and not uh, with my setup. Who knows? Maybe we'll see with the next generation of uh, uh, home console. Maybe that will be more appealing. There will be more games. But for now, it is really cool if you play Astrobots. But for the rest, it's great, but not worth investing the money for myself. Cool. Uh, Did you buy a lot of new shit? Home animation related, you mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. We're talking about... Talking about no, 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 no. It's not follow-up about my personal setup. It's follow-up from one of our listeners. Oh, uh, good. <laughs> so, first of all, a uh, friend of the show, Richard Whitaker, wrote in to say uh, that we forgot to mention uh, the what used to be called the Elgato, but now are just called Eve home devices. Uh, mm. And this is true. These are devices that are HomeKit exclusive. Um, don't require a hub and are fully functional without using their own app, which can be super appealing to people who want to get into HomeKit. 
Uh, the main reason that I did not think about them is that for a while they were really hard to find in Canada. And I believe uh, Elgato is a European company. Uh, so it's possible that those uh, accessories had come out like originally in Europe uh, where Richard is located, which is, makes sense. Uh, and for us, they were just like really hard to find. I think you could only buy them in Apple Source for a little while. Um, yeah, they were. You were able to sometimes find them on Amazon.ca and stuff like that, but they were mainly available through Apple Store Canada. That's it. Yeah, it was limited availability, which is why I didn't think of it in the episode, but definitely a good uh, mention. And then something else happened uh, last weekend, which is I got a power outage at like 3 a.m. in the middle of the night, and then my power came back on, and all of my lights, all of my smart lights, came on because that's what. <laughs> unpatched hue light bulbs do when they uh come on and this is another warning to people about choosing a hub uh because richard wrote in to say that if you have the latest hue hub you can patch those light bulbs and you can set your own custom power recovery behavior so that means that it the power goes out and it comes back on you can just say don't turn them back on and I could have continued sleeping soundly. Uh, unfortunately, since I use the Echo Plus as my hub, I can't update my uh, light bulb firmware and I can't set this. So, eh, kind of sucks. Ooh, uh, I have to look at my options. Hopefully, I'm lucky and it's still compatible with the old bridge. If not, that could be a good reason to make me upgrade to the new hub. Hopefully, there's also an option where you can set the default kind of... Uh, temperature yeah the default temperature of color or even the default color if you have color light bulbs because that i would like greatly yeah but since i don't have access to the app i have no idea what the actual capabilities are i just know that this exists and it must be really nice but it's not gonna happen anytime soon and that's it for my home automation follow-up good let's jump into our big topic yeah so um so tonight we'll be talking about battle royale games and those are games that have been i wouldn't say it's uh, i wouldn't say it's a new genre of games because from my research it seems that battle royale style of games have been out for at least five or six years but they were not um i'm i'm thinking i will will regret saying they're not they were not that popular or mainstream but i think that's the case and i'm sorry for the fan of uh, older games that had a battle royale modes or they were battle royale games but well for the the Big ones were mostly mods to uh, survival games because there was the survival genre, which was sort of, I guess it spun out a little bit out of Minecraft, a tiny bit, but mostly were about like surviving in the wild. Like a big one that's really popular right now, I think is called Ark. Um, It's on Switch as well with a hilariously bad port. Um, But it it was sort of like kill animals, survive, and occasionally it was multiplayer and you could kill each other and then people realized well actually the killing each other is more fun than just trying to survive in nature so let's make mods for these games that let us just kill each other and accelerate the process and that sort of morphed into the mod that became PUBG, which sort of like kicked off the whole revolution right and you're uh, and i was about to fully describe before we go into bigger details what is a battle royale game and i think you did a good job because it is a mix of a last mass last man standing gameplay attached to a survival game and the, the kind of the the general of game is more or less the same like they have more or less the same mechanism uh you are 
I would say drop in most games. I think most of the games I played, you kind of drop. So you are in a closed area, a closed map, where you are in the fighting zone with multiple players uh, that you connect via any of the uh, gaming online services. And the goal is to be the last person standing up. Uh, the twist is that, of course, in some of those games, you have a lot of people, up to 100 in the, uh, the biggest games from what I've seen. And the other thing is there's a time-based element to make sure that the game doesn't like just you don't end up having uh, people like camping everywhere on the big map and making sure you can have like, you force people to fight each other. There is um, an allowed section of the map that starts to be nowhere in the map so you can have access to the whole map but every couple of minutes the uh, region that you cannot go into starts to shrink up until there is no allowed region available in the map and then that's usually where the game uh, ends because either the people dies because the second you are outside of that unallowed region usually your L goes down by a small bit up until you die so that's also part of a mechanism to maybe kill some of your opponents is to stay in the uh, unallowed region while they are about to die, kill them, and then enter the region if you have a lot of health. It also mm -hmm. kind of serves as alt-tab protection on PC because if someone alt-tabs out of the window and is doing something else while they're playing the game, which sounds stupid for us because we're console players and we're usually like 100% devoted to our game, but in PC games, this is actually fairly common. Uh, so it, it sort of kicks those players out of the game like lightly instead of just like kicking them entirely out of the game right and you don't have to code the mechanism because the game genera itself add a kicking out mechanism that is just killing yourself if you're inactive and to me like right now that's kind of what like like i'm like Enik mentioned, it is was really a mix on top. Uh, it was mods on top of survival gun that added this last man standing gameplay, and now those games have been become popular with two games uh, that were launched both in 2017. The first one, which made it quite popular, was Players Unknown's Battlegrounds, uh, developed by PUBG Corporation, also published by the same corporation which is a subsidiary of the video game company Blue Hole. I think they're quite big in Asia, if I recall correctly. Uh, I don't know about them specifically. I was under the impression that Blue Hole basically renamed themselves to PUBG Corporation because they are, like, that's how big PUBG became. Oh, okay, okay. And um, that, that was the first game, uh, and that was released uh, a bit late in 2017, uh, around December, and the other game was a bit before, and around the same time too, is Fortnite Battle Royale, which is a game developed and published by uh, Epic, Epic Games that you may know uh, a lot because they have a lot of other big successes. Um, and those were the two first ones to uh, made, make uh, Battle Royale popular. I think in some of our past episodes, we did make reference about a lot of famous people playing Fortnite, and that what's kicked, like, that's what uh, made Fortnite kind of not the winner, but one of the most popular games in that genre for a couple of months. And then the other people wanted to play PUBG because I don't want to say play. Uh, so, yes, PUBG a lot. Uh, and. That's what kickstart kind of this new trend of online games based on the Battle Royale um, 
genre. Tonight, we'll be talking about those two and two other ones. The one that has introduced me to the genre, Call of Duty Black Ops 4, with its, which, with his, um, blackout mode and, uh, Apex Legend that just got released about a month ago. Yes, in early February. So, um, some of you might know Call of Duty because Call of Duty is a big franchise. And in their latest installment, Black Ops 4, they added, uh, uh, battle royale mode but one of the big features we did discuss in our past video game episode in the past few months is black ops 4 is multiplayer only and uh the battle royale mode is one of the big reason why uh and last but not least uh apex legend like i said was released recently developed by respawn entertainment and published by ea so apex i don't think it's the first one like i think uh cod is also considered like the post mainstream moment for black battle royale games where those games are developed and or published by big video games player uh pubg and fortnite like apic it's it's quite a bit player but they were kind of i wouldn't say on the indie side but they were kind of a smaller player compared to like ea or even uh i have a strong difficulty pronouncing it's treyarch treyarch yeah yeah, Treyarch, and of course, uh, our good friend at Activisions, uh, that uh, are working on Call of Duty for years at this point. So the idea that I want to go through is kind of review each game in the order that I've played them. Um, so we will start tonight with to- by talking with Call of Duty Black Ops 4. Uh, this is, like I said in the intro, this is the first game I've played. I explained a bit why I kind of, uh, I won't say went back, but decided to buy Black Ops 4. Uh, but the small gist of it, if you didn't watch our, if you didn't listen, our game of the year episode is, um, my brother and I were playing the zombie mode in the previous game. I bought the previous game because it was super cheap on, uh, the PSN. And then I realized there was this one and Unix strongly suggested I should try it because if I want to try battle royale games it was quite good and i found a good deal at costco for the christmas season and that's why i got it i didn't play that much to the other modes because like 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 i said it is a multiplayer first person shooter game there's no like campaigns like some of the previous call of duty installment uh and to be honest i don't like to eat like team deathmatch and all of that stuff um but if you do like team deathmatch it is very good i can say i've played a lot of it <laughs> Yeah, uh, I played some of those different modes. I think one of them is like, oh, I forgot that. It's like cops versus bandit type of modes where like a yep. team needs to steal a packet and then move it. Then that uh, I don't know. I, it's the fake Counter Strike mode. I think it's yeah, called Gun Game. Something like that. Something like that. Uh, that one I liked a lot. Uh, but you can see quite. Uh, you you can see quite easily that. Uh, I wouldn't say that the game was. Dip- develop for uh, the typical multiplayer uh, modes or like just type of games that and that um, I don't know no, no. let me correct that so the game is completely divided into three there's the typical like first person shooter multiplayer online modes like team deathmatch and the shit ton of them that call of duty has been quite popular in the past few years there is battle royale mode and there the last one is uh zombies more or less uh, and the game is really that and you feel that the main emphasis of the game is the typical call of duty multiplayer mode 
And I wouldn't say that the uh, zombie mode nor the battle realm mode are dumbed down version, but you do feel that they assume that people will buy it for the typical reasons why people would buy a Call of Duty game when they play online. It is for those team that match and all that stuff. And that's also, like I just said, they are quite good. Like, like Treyarch are quite good at making quality games on that genre and Call of Duty Black Ops 4 shows it again. Yeah, specifically for the for the multiplayer, like what really helped Black Ops 4 sell as well as it did is that people hated World War II's multiplayer online and Black Ops 4 just went back to the old formula that people loved before. So a lot of people were very, very excited about that. And the way that Treyarch talks about Black Ops 4 is honestly quite strange when you think about it because they don't actually consider that it's likely that someone will play uh, multiplayer and battle royale and zombies like they would love it if everyone did but in reality it's more like you're probably the kind of person who loves multiplayer enough to spend $60 on a multiplayer only game you're probably big enough into battle royale games that you want to experience one of the premier battle royale experiences enough to pay 60 bucks for it or you just like zombies and you want more zombies and you're going to pay 60 bucks for the zombies experience i don't think there are as many gamers out there who fall into that demographic as they think they do there are but that was sort of the optic through which it was developed which is interesting Uh, i think probably only the multiplayer multiplayer uh People are crazy enough to actually spend 60 bucks on the game just for the multiplayer. And let's not forget that 60 bucks is the starting price for this yes. game. Oh, yeah, yeah, Because yeah. it goes up to like $200 if you want the biggest version. Uh, yeah, because the $200 comes with a lot of uh, in-app coins or currency. Card points. Because, yeah, card points. And um, it also comes with the uh, season pass because all of those games have season pass. It's the theme uh, of the year. It is the theme of the year. The funny thing is you already pay for the game itself. If we compare it with uh, Fortnite, Apex Legend, and PUBG Mobile, those games are all free. So I'm not surprised that they tried to get you to pay for it in some reason. Although but regular PUBG is also a paid product. You are correct. That was about that. Um, that was my next sentence. Uh, that uh, PUBG and Black Ops are, are the two only one right now that the, it is required you for you to pay to get the experience. And if I recall correctly, uh, there's not that much difference between PUBG Mobile and PUBG itself. But we will talk about that in the PUBG section. Uh, but yeah, so um, if I do small comparison, we start with the Battle Royale. Uh, it feels to me that last, uh, I think the last point I wanted to make about the three multiplayer mode for Call of Duty is that it feels that the team that match or all of this like genre of typical online games, it feels that it is where the Treyarch team put the most effort in it. Um, the main reason why I say that is that's why there's a lot of like, there's a lot of backstories because you have different types of characters and those characters have different skill on the play field and those different characters are only available in those modes mm, of course partially partially unless maybe i don't i don't have enough level and after playing at least okay so hours of it i didn't let me explain how the operators work in uh blackout so 
you can unlock all of the operators in Blackout. However, you can't use their skills because that would be unfair. Because since they're unlockables, then some people would have the unlocked guys with abilities and they could use those abilities even when you have like no gear or anything and that would be unfair. So right. all of the operator abilities can be found on the map as packages and you can use them as items uh, in the game. And oh, sometimes you have a random chance of getting uh, like part of the quest to actually unlock the costume, which lets you be one of those operators in Blackout. But it's purely cosmetic because they want the game to stay fair. Right, right, right. So, but if like the reason why I'm bringing this up, and that's the first comparison I'll do, uh, Apex is kind of going on the, in the other direction. They have those different characters which has different abilities you can unlock them you can unlock some more but you have a default sets where you can like everybody's gonna play on a fair ground because you can like if you don't you don't pay for the, the season pass or even if you have not an, enough content unlock enough content excuse me you still have access to those different type of uh characters and that's kind of and just, just like here I'm talking about the first difference just to give you a paint a picture here compared to those games because you'll see that each of these games have something. I feel that with Call of Duty it is a simple battle royale. You have a rich map with different types, uh, different scenes. Uh, if I recall correctly for Call of Duty fans, a lot of these map, a lot of these section on the map are different region where you would have done missions in the past campaigns they're past multiplayer maps oh okay there are past multiplayer maps i wasn't sure if it was some of them were campaigns or uh, maps this way but yeah so a lot of people that have played multiplayer games will recognize those maps because what they've built to have their arena is they just like stitched together all of these different maps and made a huge battle royale map and it feels it feels to me that this is the highest quality map that i've seen in the four games there's the most the richest one the most different one yeah like i end up after playing like a lot of it like go knowing where to go and it's it feels to me that because it is more on the kind of realness side of things you can quickly create uh like checkpoints or like just waypoints where you say oh i always like to go to this portion of the map and uh see where i can go I think from a game design level and a map design level, the Apex map is better, but from a visual standpoint, the Blackout one is the visually the most stimulating. Okay, I can understand that for sure. Uh, you're correct, though, that the Apex one is, in my book, close to it. Uh, and I think that's going to be a common theme tonight. Uh, <laughs> I think I have a lot of good things to say about Black Ops 4 and Apex. Uh, but more into that about the conclusion. But yeah, so, um, so yeah, uh, the map is quite visually great. Um, the might, the map is quite diverse. Um, also, I feel that the game mechanics is simple enough. You have like a lot of items you can, uh, pick up up to a certain point. If you get a backpack, you get more, but it feels to me that if you want to, be more on the survivor mode side of things in black ops it is i wouldn't say it's the bad thing i would say it's the best one because i feel that you 
can like gear up a lot and with the back back mechanism in that game it is really helpful to just like have a shit ton of stuff on you and make sure that if you survive up until the end you are well equipped to uh handle the blood pad that is the end of the battle royale game especially compared to uh all the other games i I think the worst one on that aspect is fortnite i think you can only carry like six items with you um and your uh propeller i would say like the the, the your surfboard or your wind blade is one of those items that you can keep with you that counts inside your backpack um so that's another aspect that i really enjoy with black ops 4 but the rest of the mechanism is typ- typical like cod multiplayer online and that's kind of why not what i like but what made me quickly understand what i had to do because after that the only thing you need to get better at it is knowing what are the available equipment on the field because um that's a small section i forgot to describe in uh the survival mode aspect of a battle royale game but once you get dropped into that map whether you're in an airplane or something flying over the region uh you have no equipment so the uh, like flying device that uh, moves you on top of this map as a random path so let's imagine it will do like from like uh, we'll put it simple we'll go from it will start at the south southwest point of the map and it will go straight up north but uh, you can imagine that it has like it might be do uh, different paths that are randomized each game but the idea is then you decide where you want to drop on the map and the first few seconds are quite important because you need to find as much equipment as you can especially if you are in a well uh well friendly zone let's put it this way like if you do do the bad shoes and you realize that you drop with a lot of people you need to find equipment quick so you don't end up dead and then after that uh if you end up with a calmer region uh you can maybe go on on this aspect that i like which is just like wander around find items like pile up on some stuff and make sure that you're ready for when the shit is going to hit the fan and uh, on that point um after i would say maybe four or five hours you kind of end up understanding like which gun should you take get uh not even that i'd say let's say like five to ten games which i would say on average if you're as bad as me would be maybe two or three hours at most you do end up like saying i like this gun i don't like this item i know this item was like what's the purpose of this item i know like which uh, add-ons i can i like on that gun so you kind of like what i felt is you can quickly understand which guns are maybe better than the others or which type of uh ammunitions or guns you would like to have as your type of players and that was easy to catch up for me in that game uh, one of the things I would mention is that as someone who played more of the classical multiplayer elements of Black Ops 4, the guns do not behave exactly the same way in both boats, uh, which can throw you off because some of the games that are really good in multiplayer are actually worthless in Blackout because they had to recalibrate things for balance because if the guns performed identically as how they did in multiplayer, then there would be some guns that are clearly like too good uh, relative to the rest of the stuff and then like it would just be a game of who lands near to those guns which is not as fun you want to try to balance the games uh, the guns more in PUBG and then the uh non PUBG sorry in Battle Royale games and then just make sure that each gun is good at a specific thing and then the 
the determining factor is how good is your usage of that gun in various battle scenarios. Yeah, I'm, I'm not surprised that they do that. Mainly because, like, in some of those modes, it's like a team deathmatch. It's like you can you get killed, you respawn, and then you go on. So the calibration of guns, because you kind of have infinite life, is way different than if you have, like, a super strong, super powerful gun, then, you, like, you just end up, like, killing everybody because, like, like you kill everybody with one uh, ammunition or something like that. So I'm not surprised. I really yep. know I'm not surprised. And I think, like, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the calibration done in Call of Duty uh, Blackout is quite on point. I might have skipped the first few updates when the game has been released. That's a good thing by my book. <laughs> there were guns that were just too good early on, but they oh, okay. they started patching things on a weekly basis. And they were really on the ball there. Um, which is something that other games maybe weren't quite as good at. And we'll talk about that in the PUBG section. Um, <laughs> but yeah, they, they did a really good job. And they still do, they still do, right? Because like every couple, like even these days, I'm kind of playing less. And every time I boot up my PS4, there's always an update for Black Ops 4. They haven't like said this, but it's basically sort of implied that they're going to be providing updates for two years since the game's launch. Which was on October 12, 2018. So, yeah, until like, oh, I still have a long time to play this. And That's good. Usually, Black Ops is every three years, I think. So, it's going to give them a year to sort of like take the breaks and yeah. actually focus on uh, Black Ops 5 if they are doing that. I'm not sure. But I have the Black Ops 4 page here, and it says uh, that the Black Ops 3 was on in 2015. So, you're correct with the every three yeah. years. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the other thing I wanted to bring up that uh, is sort of a distinguishing feature, or at least at the time that uh, Black Ops 4 was released, is the wingsuit. So when you drop out of the plane in uh, Black Ops 4, you have a wingsuit. And what was really novel about this at the time is that you have a lot more control over where you want to go. And you can go to much longer distances than you can in PUBG, where unfortunately your parachute kind of fucks you over in a lot of ways. Uh, so that was really cool because you could just like, after a couple games, you got a sense of what more or less the maximum distance was, and it was rather high. And therefore, if you just have like a favorite spot on the map and you just want to always land at that spot, there's probably a point in the path that you can actually land, well, go down and aim towards that direction. And if not land there, get very close to it. Oh yeah, totally. And I feel that if, because of the wingsuit, you can exit because for them it's helicopter. Yeah, and in Black Ops Four it's helicopters. Oh yeah, sorry. Uh, you can drop. No, it's okay. But uh, you can drop early on the helicopter's path when it starts and still go to where you want and maybe be the first person to be at that spot and either wait for others or just be the one with the first gun. And that is something I am bad at, like <laughs> really bad at. Um, one aspect too that made me play a lot of Black Ops 4 is my brother picked up Battle Royale games more or less at the same time as me. And like I said in our previous episode, he's a big fan of Call of Duty games in general. So he did pick up, uh, Black Ops 4 and has been playing, uh, Blackout mainly. I was surprised because I would have assumed he would go back to other multiplayer games. I think we haven't even played zombies in Black Ops 4 together. I played most of it alone uh, or with other people online. So that was an interesting move since we were supposed to play it for zombie. So that I think he likes it a lot too. Uh, 
blackout. And uh, look, so that I think right now would be it for Black Ops 4. Like I said, this game was my introduction to it. And I recall what Yannick said at the time is you might regret starting with that one because that one for Battle Royale Guard is quite good. And having a Treyarch's <laughs> background for it uh, is pushing the envelope a lot on the genre. So let's go to the next one, which is Fortnite. I kind of am going into reverse chronological uh, order because I kind of realized I started with Black Ops 4, I did Fortnite, I did PUBG Mobile, and then I, this week, uh, pick up on Apex Legend. Oh, I have one point I, that is kind of common for all of them, but most of them, they have fucking shitty UI. Like, really, <laughs> literally shitty UI. Uh, and I think, like, it was, like, characterized, especially with Black Ops 4, um, because they want you to spend money in the app. Uh, they want you to know that if you, because a lot of stuff you can unlock f- if you pay. So if you pay, you unlock it faster because you can just use COD coins or any other coins that you need to get COD coins, transform them into those other coins. Like it's super complex. I'm sure it's you, it's, it's there only to make you spend money. Uh, I'm using, uh, Black Ops 4 here as an example, but all of them has the same thing. They ask you for their crypt, their, like not good in-game currencies and they make you uh, do stuff but throughout playing the game you do end up unlocking stuff because uh and for those like imagine you unlock a sticker pack or like a win move for every time you win something whether you buy it i'm not sure if i never bought something so i wonder if they don't do that when you buy something but when you win something, there's always a red notification dot next to the fucking menu. And yeah, now you need to go through the like, child menu, the children and of this that menu to make sure you navigate to that single element just to kind of read the notification. And that drives me crazy. Black Ops 4 does this. Fortnite does this. PUBG does this. And even Apex Legend does it. Even if that would say that... Uh, it has the nicest UI. It also has the simplest UI, so maybe that's why I like it a lot. But uh, yeah, I think the less problematic will be Apex Legends, but they still do this shitty, shitty It was even simpler before uh, Season 1 started. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay, so yeah. Um, all of that. So yeah, all of them do that, and I, I understand that it's kind of to make you spend money and like be excited that you have something. But oh, God, it is annoying and kind of sometimes borderline OCD to make sure you have no red dot or like white dot or uh, orange dot, like depending on the color scheme of the app. This is quite annoying. But yeah, yeah. The other thing is like having played Black Ops 4, like I bought it the day it launched. Uh, it None of that shit was in the game when it launched. It was just like, I mean, there, there was still the orange dot if you unlocked something because there were still unlockables you could get from just playing the game. But because you weren't unlocking things as often because there just weren't as many things to unlock, uh, you didn't have to deal with it as often, so I didn't care as much. Um, but then they added, like, uh, I forget what what it's called, Contraband, I think is what they call their uh, Battle Pass thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, the, they added that. And I haven't really been playing uh, Blackout recently, but I've heard that basically the 
in-app purchases have gotten 10 times worse in the last uh, three months or whatever. And one prominent YouTube reviewer had to withdraw their review because like <laughs> it was getting ridiculous. Like there's an in-app purchase to buy a simple dot scope for your gun and it was like three bucks or something. Uh, so it was like ridiculous shit like that uh, that people weren't quite happy about. And I think that especially since... Call of Duty is a 60 to $200 game already to have like a ne- never ending stream of in-app purchases on top of that seems like a bit like they're overdoing it. Like either do the multi-version thing or have the in-app purchases, but don't do both. It seems a little greedy, but uh, that's Activision for you. Yeah, but we know that the multi-version are just a wrap around you buying the base game plus kind of pre-purchasing some of the like season pass, some coins, yeah. all that shit. So. So just to make it fancy if you buy it in store, more or less. Okay, let's move to Fortnite. Oh, no. Yes, I I think we'll have a lot to say about this one. Uh, And not a lot of positive things. (laughs) So uh, Fortnite started as... Is, if I recall correctly, it started, yeah, it started as a survival game with Minecraft element into it. And that game was called Fortnite Save the World. I think people forgot the, the last part. They just call it Fortnite. But after a couple of months after launching the Fortnite game, they added the Battle Royale mode. Um, and yeah, but they kept this kind of like construction mechanism in it. And that to me, it just, it just lose me. So I played uh, Fortnite on mobile again. I, a lot of those games I picked up on their mobile version. Uh, so before I go into big details, I quite like this trend of having great mobile apps that are also online multiplayer games. Um, even if I don't really like Fortnite, I do like that they are on all the platforms, including iOS, Android, and the Switch. Uh, on iOS, it is quite nice because they support, they have uh, MFI controller support. So, Depending of whether you use touch or you use the controller, you are a match differently, if I recall correctly. Yeah. Uh, if you use a controller, you can be matched with uh, people using Windows, PCs, Mac, PlayStation 4, Xbox One, all of it. Uh, if you only use uh, touch, uh, the touch targets on your screen, uh, you are only matched with other Fortnite mobile player, and that also includes the Switch. Uh, one thing I was like not surprised but a bit unhappy is I had to create an Epic account. Uh, Yannick, you kind of told me that uh, you can getting a lot of spam through that account, not only by Epic but some people trying to hack into it because Fortnite is so big. Yeah, I keep getting like uh like failed two factor authentication <laughs> things. Like people are trying to hack into my account basically, and like I've never played Fortnite, so my Fortnite loot is worth zero dollars uh so have fun use my account as much as you want uh i played another epic game called paragon which was a moba a free play moba that they had before fortnite was the thing and i loved that game um but they discontinued it because i was the only person playing that game (laughs) and instead they made a really shitty battle royale with ugly fonts oh yeah so uh, yannick will bitch a lot about the way it looks i like I don't really mind the kind of the aesthetic here is that they are kind of, they are cartoony characters. Uh, everything is kind of cartoony. I do I have, have a positive thing to say though that was related to what you were saying, which is now more than ever, Fortnite is the poster child for Unreal Engine because Epic also makes Unreal Engine, and mm-hmm. because Fortnite is basically on every platform imaginable right now, uh, it's really a good showing off of like. 
this is how you make an optimized Unreal Engine game that spans multiple platforms. And by the way, here's the cross-play pl- uh, framework that we now include with Unreal Engine that nobody except us is approved to use. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> footnote. Um, but yeah, that, I mean, like it, it's good as a demo for Unreal Tournament, and it is a big game that a lot of people know. Therefore, it has like value as marketing for Unreal Engine. Not that Unreal Engine really needs the marketing because everybody in gaming knows that it exists uh and they have to put the logo on every unreal engine anyway uh, engine game anyway um but it's just like very interesting to see the progress being made on unreal engine in Fortnite as it goes along uh because it's often one of the first games to see those kinds of updates because it's actively developed yeah and that's also one of the rare game that supports crossplay on ps4 yes there are Rare ones, rare ones. One that and a allowed. half non MMO games that support it. <laughs> one and a half. What's I, the F? I think once Rocket League accidentally enabled uh, oh. crossplay and they got slapped on the wrist. Actually, that's not true. There, there are two and a half. There is Fortnite. There is Street Fighter Five, which is oh. a uh, PC and PS4 exclusive. Apparently, this is because Capcom runs their own servers for Street Fighter, which is like in super huge air quotes because fighting games are never server based to begin with. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, there's, uh, Rocket League, which accidentally flipped the switch one day. And that <laughs> led every gamer in the world to say, see, crossplay isn't hard. Everybody should do it. You just accidentally flip the switch one day. It can't be hard. Yeah, yeah, but we, I think everybody kind of knew already that uh, crossplay was just like somebody putting, like Sony forcing people to put the Switch in. Um, see, I think that like uh, gamers are quick to complain and oversimplify how crossplay can be done from platform to platform. And I think that it is realistic for some games. It has other implications for other games. Uh, I mean, it's something I hear a lot in the Destiny community because like, half my clan disappeared after the PC version of Destiny came out. So, yeah, I mean, like, technically I should be on the side of crossplay, but I'm also just a big asshole who hates multi-platform things, so I'm also against crossplay for some reason. No, correct, correct. I understand your point here, but, like, games like Fortnite are a huge example why, like, crossplay is a viable solution. And, like, I don't know if it's hard to do. I don't know. I don't wrote those. I don't write the server. No, the game. So but I won't it, say it that. It became so big that it actually pressured Sony into budging into their position because they looked so bad when Fortnite for Switch came out, and they were basically the only console you couldn't interact with. Right. So yeah, they were waiting for the big ones because if I recall correctly, in the past two years, kind of Microsoft was trying to say like, "Hey, let's do crossplay. We do crossplay. Sony, let's do crossplay together." Because they're not in uh, like the top one. Let's be honest here. But uh, that's kind of a small tangent about crossplay. But yes, uh, the main point here is uh, it's on those platforms. And yes, if you are on all of those platforms, you can play against each other. Uh, which is not something you can say of uh, PUBG nor Black Ops 4 nor Apex Legend 2. So it's a one advantage if uh, you want that. Uh, if you have friends on multiple platforms, that could be it. But if not, uh, sucks to be you, I guess. No, not sucks to be you because you're happy that all your friends are on the same platform so you don't have to deal with this. So again, uh, creating an Epic account, nah. Not great, but I guess that's how they kind of track you everywhere and blah, blah, blah. Uh, I haven't, now I realized that I downloaded the game on my PS4, but I never tried a console version. So all my experience is either with the touchscreen or with the control support on iOS. 
but uh, that's mainly it. I don't think it now that because of the crossplay, I don't think it affects it too much. The game is quite great on uh, mobile, so um, of good quality uh, or good performance quality. Let's put it this way. Uh, you don't end up with the too much downplayed version of the game, so uh, I don't think that affected too much my experience with it. So yeah, uh, let's go back to the construction mechanism because that is the main differentiation point for Fortnite. It is a typical uh, battle royale game, but here the idea is you don't have a big backpack. I haven't seen because i really don't like the construction mechanism i don't didn't play it too much it was really hard to, to really prepare this episode because this was the game where i was like Ugh, i need to play that one <laughs> literally like i was really forcing myself because i really want to have like uh not a good opinion but i really want to build my opinion around it but like after playing a two or three hours i was like I don't really care too much about this game. And the main reason to me is this construction aspect is it kind of forces you to do diff. I don't know what is triggering in me that I don't like, but it feels to me that I like, first of all, I was never being attracted to uh, Minecraft, for example. Uh, not that I say it's a bad game. It's just like, I never feel like I don't need to have a playground and build stupid shit in the middle of nothing on the computer screen. And if that's your job, I like, I don't really care. Like, to, go do you. But to me, it was never something, uh, great to me. So mixing that with, uh, the, uh, I wouldn't say first, uh, person shooter because on mobile it is that no, Fortnite is full third person. Shooter. It's always third person. Yeah. yeah. Um, mixing that up with, um, a construction aspect. What I realize, what I end up happening is you spend half of the time on the map just trying to like destroy everything because that's how you get materials. So like wood, uh, metal, uh, rocks. And depending of what you, uh, find, like what you pick up. And that's where most of your backpack is useful because like I said, the backpack is quite small. So you can have maybe a gun or two, a couple of like health kit and that's it because there are six spots so those fill in quite fast and the idea here here is to defend yourself or have a different strategy is you end up like uh, building protection with those walls or like bringing creating towers building like monuments so you can maybe reach different region on the map uh, or just hide yourself or like have a vantage point and every time I played I was like oh I need to destroy everything. I need to build stuff. And oh. so, yeah, that aspect, like really, like it was not motivating to me. And I don't know why, like, it's really, I, I, I think I'm just not that type of person. And that is it. I think right now, and I've been thinking a lot about it in the past two weeks for the preparation of this episode. And I'm not, able, I'm just able to say, I don't like it. I don't know why. And that's a bit uh, infuriating because that's why I was forcing myself to play it is I wanted to, understand how to uh why this was it but i just realized in the end i still don't know not able to put words on it but i still just don't like it so one of the things i noticed from watching like twitch streams and whatnot uh about fortnite because one of my favorite uh league of legends streamers basically stopped playing league of legends and turned it to fortnite and i was like no you have better taste than this please don't play the game with ugly fonts uh but uh yeah, the, the pattern that I've really noticed about Fortnite in particular is that a lot of the time, 
really good players, the way they end the game is they, first of all, you have to be very good at building very quickly. You build a tower that your opponent is trying to outbuild you so that they have the vantage point to shoot you. And then you're just like jumping down on them with a shotgun. And that is how like, that is how like 95% of Fortnite games I've watched have ended. Oh man, you're right. I've been killed so much. It's like, (laughs) Somebody comes out of nowhere, which I realized it was a tower next to me. Yes, I was trying to maybe destroy it to I go in it to to protect myself, and then and I'm like shotgun, really? Like it's like it's so predictable and not interesting that I have like zero interest in actually playing that. And I think that's what I like about battle royale game is the randomness and just the, the the sheer messiness of it. Like if you survive until the end, which I'll be honest depending on your level skills it's quite hard but um, uh, if you play in quads or duos it could be easier because you might have better player than you and they are helping you and I've like I've finished a couple of games and like the like just a bloodbath at the end is really fun like sadly that's even if it's a bloodbath it's really fun there's a lot of action and everybody's around and you need to be like quick on it and just not quick about like mashing the construct button and then just using a like a dummy gun because you have the vantage point yeah i mean it's it's weird because like this entire genre is to some degree based around variance and randomness but the fortnite construction mechanic just makes it that you can repeat the same formula in a lot of matches as long as you've got a shotgun the stupid tower shotgun method is probably gonna work and you're probably (laughs) gonna win so yeah. Uh I'm I'm quite excited that it is on mobile. Um like I said, controller support is quite nice. I finally in the past uh three weeks, three, four weeks, I have a reason to use my uh Ori uh MFI controller. Uh that plus uh the new uh iOS uh remote play app for the Sony PlayStation also supports it. So it was really nice to revisit that controller. Uh but that's mainly what I had to say about Fortnite. Don't play it. <laughs> I my, do, my, I do want advice. to add in a little note about sort of the phenomenon that Fortnite has become because it's sort of now like every six-year-old's favorite video game. And it's really strange because the way that a lot of the kids that are making Fortnite like the biggest game in the world right now are playing it is not so much as about Royale game. They're using it more as a social space with objectives to, or more of like an excuse to have a conversation with their friends and to share something with their friends, uh, which I've realized in recent weeks that my sort of play patterns for destiny have changed a lot because now it's pretty much just an excuse to have a conversation with one of my friends every Sunday. And I don't really play it any more than that. And that's sort of how Fortnite is used. Like they have a lot of emotes and dances and stuff that you can use just to have a place to express yourself. And a lot of ways, like, those teenagers are using it more like how people envisioned Second Life was going to be used back when that was a thing. Uh, really much more as like a virtual reality space where you can chill with your friends and that also happens to have some goal to push the game along uh, instead of just a battle royale game like all the Twitch streamers are tryharding in. Hmm. That's a, I feel that a lot of what I've seen is that too. 
and maybe it's like maybe like I said, like the main reason why I was paying a lot of college is because I have my brother uh, that is also uh, quite uh, invested in that game and maybe less of the others. And maybe if I had uh, more of my uh, friends playing it, that would have changed my opinion. But like I am. I am doubtful, to be honest. Even if I had that, I w- after playing all of the other ones, I would have maybe strongly suggested that we move to another game. Because well, it also helps that it's free to play and it has a kid-friendly aesthetic, which means parents are way more likely to actually buy yeah. into that than PUBG, which is super military simulation. Yes, uh, which will move to PUBG. Last point uh, is... I like that on Fortnite too. I think even if I don't like the the game, uh, the app integration is quite great. The menu are complex as all the other ones. But like I said, MFI controller, like microphone support on the iPad. You can be like on the fucking bus and play Fortnite and talk with your friends. So I understand your point of saying it becomes a social pace because that would like you just you have a button and it enables your microphone and voila, done. Although PUBG Mobile also has that, but <laughs> uh, you're correct. I feel uh, that if I recall correctly, in PUBG Mobile, it's a bit hidden. It's a more hidden, or it's, it's a bit different. The button right next to the map, but whatever. Uh, oh, I, maybe you're right. Hold I, I do want to add something, which is um, previously, like social games, like like social environment games, like this, uh, were mostly like MOBAs, like League of Legends, Dota, those kinds of games were where you would go to hang out with your friends. And what sort of ended up happening there is that uh, people don't like losing. And it's a (laughs) team-based game where you can lose. So what would also... uh, And there's only one winner and one loser. So it became a thing where you would deflect all of the blame to your friends and then your friends would hate you and that would break (laughs) your friendships. And it wasn't a really good game to play with your friends, but that's sort of what people did until they ran out of friends. And this sort of led to uh, the destruction of casual play in MOBAs. And Fortnite is great for this because there is the expectation that 99 out of the 100 people are going to die and lose. And that's fine. And because those expectations are changed and people are, I mean, they're trying to win, but they're not trying too hard to win because they know the chances are fairly slim. There isn't as high pressure to perform. And I think that's a better social environment. And that leads to sort of like what we see in battle royale games becoming more social games than MOBAs, let's say. Right. And your chances of winning is better if you go playing duos, for example, and quads, which is more or less the same thing. It's just you have a hundred people and they divided by two or by four into squads of two or four yep okay let's move to pubg and pubg mobile uh like we said in the in the introduction this is the other game that if you buy it on if you want to play it on console you need to buy it even if there's a (laughs) season pass even there's a shit ton of in-app purchases you still need to buy it and i've looked at it uh a couple of days ago on Canada, and it is $40 uh, to buy please it. please don't yeah. play it on console. Play it on PC if you want to play the full version, because the console ports are absolute garbage, and I will put a link to the Digital Foundry videos for both of the ports, the Xbox One and the PS4 one, where sometimes the floor doesn't load and you can't <laughs> see where you're walking. Really? Oh, wow. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. The is... PUBG ports are hilariously bad, which is why <laughs> PUBG Mobile is like the better version of the game. Which that is surprising, and also uh, I was was running into issues. I felt it was a bit like laggy when I played on mobile until I realized I was on the 30 FPS mode. I flipped it to 60. Uh, like wow, 
I don't know why my iPad was a, a bit warm at the end of some of the games, but uh, the game quality after playing with the game settings, uh, the video settings uh, was quite great. Um, and uh, it would quite greatly improve the, qual- the visual quality of that game. Uh, like Fortnite, it requires for you to create an account. Uh, most of the options, though, are like with third-party uh, login providers like Twitter, Facebook. Though there's a guess option I didn't use, but, and there's a game center option, which was the one I use, which is reminiscing of the way you would log into those games when you play on console using the online platform of the pro, uh, of the platform or manufacturer hence why i use a uh, game center because all we all know that game center is uh, dead uh, in general pubg is just like uh, Okay, in general, PUBG is a great game on mobile. I liked it a lot. I had a lot of fun playing it. Uh, Yannick reminded me that the reason why I won the first game is because it's full of bots. Yeah. I realized quite quickly that it took me three games and then I realized like, oh no, there's no more bots anymore. <laughs> there was like rare bots. I think the second game I played, somebody was like, hey, uh, can you... Like, and I think he used the chat function and said, like, oh, if you're not a bot, like, do this. And I did this. And he's like, oh, yes, I'm happy that there's no bot. <laughs> and then on the third game, I really, like, there was people talking or using the voice chat or using the text chat. And it was full of just normal people because I started to die quite quickly and not win anymore. Um, so this tutorial aspect of it or like kind of this like ramp up of the difficulty is really good like really good for that game because you feel really good because you kind of like the the way it is described it like its names it with its flags uh like it looks like other players but they're just like shitty players like literally like they're like they're worse than me and i'm shitty so I they will walk shitty. up to you and not shoot yeah, just like stand there waiting for you to shoot them, and it's like, are you sure? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you just see them. I'm like, sometimes I'm slow at seeing uh, the the components, and like I see them. This then I and like, are they uh, one of my uh, one of my teammates or not? And then they start shooting me. Like, okay, no, but there's a second one too. They're like, oh, I'm shooting now. So uh, that's quite uh, funny. Uh, but like, the aesthetic is uh, reminiscent of. No, I wouldn't say it's reminiscent because it was released first, but the aesthetic is more or less the same as COD, so it's really the typical military game. Uh, and that one, to me, the notes I have for it is I liked it, but it is more or less of a shittier blackout. Yeah, I like it. It's good on mobile. It seems to me that it's going to be uh, a great game when I'm on the go if I want to play Black Ops 4, but I am not at home and or my it's hard because like playing it over remote play. I tried it just to do a demo of remote play, but it's not great at all. No, uh, I lost connection in it way because oh, like God. it's it was funny though, but it's like uploading while you play online. Like, like remote play is not that, it's not made for that. And a game like uh, PUBG is kind of the equivalent of it sadly though on mobile they don't support mfi so the idea is with mobile like i said uh and the opening is with pubg you cannot be matched with other people on different other platforms it's only mobile players which i think includes switch for them too uh there's no switch Switch. version excuse me now i'm mixing it up with fortnite in my news but yeah it's only uh, ios and android if you really want 
to play against Windows, Xbox One, or PS4, you need to get those platforms. Well, sort of. Really? Huh. <laughs> so there is, uh, so PUBG Mobile is uh, developed by uh, Tencent Games, which is a Chinese company. And they also make available, I don't remember what it's called, but it's like a, an official Tencent Android emulator for your PC for you to play games like PUBG Mobile and Arena of Valor on your computer, which means you can play against PC players on PUBG Mobile. And in fact, this what? is sort of the recommended way to play PUBG if you have a shitty computer that can't play PUBG. Because PUBG Mobile has lower requirements than the uh, the PC version of PUBG, so I I'm not sure exactly how the matchmaking works, but there is a possibility that you can get ranked against like PC Android players. Hmm, super interesting. Wow. Okay, I didn't know about this. Uh, and uh, but in the end, I don't think it changed anything. Though I, I think that they like because they don't support controllers. I do like that they match you up with players of your caliber, if you see what I mean. Like, like you have an handicap, but I've seen kids. I would translate that because I've seen kids do weird shit with screen controls. But it feels to me that <laughs> using a controller is more natural for me. I guess I'm just used to playing video games with a controller. But uh, like, you can have a disadvantage by using the touchscreen and. To me, if they didn't feel there was a disadvantage, they would just do crossplay everywhere, and they don't. So I think they're kind of here implying that there's a small disadvantage of playing with the touchscreen than the other. What's funny is there's a whole industry of products for Android that let you play with controller or mouse and keyboard in PUBG Mobile. Really? Uh, in fact, as soon as you make a video on YouTube that is PUBG Mobile and has above 10,000 views, you will probably receive tons and tons of email from these companies trying to give you sponsored products to <laughs> review on your channel. Wow. Uh, there are little docs which are like, uh, like battery packs, but also have USB ports that you can plug mouse and keyboard into that you, and has a wow. phone stand on top of it. So you can basically oh just goodness. plug in a mouse and keyboard and play anywhere. Uh, there are software packages for Android that let you just like map touch controls to joysticks. In fact, the GPDXD, which I have for a game emulation does this. Um, and they appear to be trying to do some anti-cheat stuff to try and figure out who these players are to ban them from the game, but they're not quite perfectly on the money yet uh so yeah there's a whole industry of this there's also um the wasp controller for the iphone which is the craziest thing i've ever seen uh, this is really interesting technology i'll put the youtube video in the description it's a weird thing that you snap onto the side of your iphone that gives it a thumbstick and a shoulder button i think oh yeah remember this and it has a little thing that's uh sticks to the length of the screen that uses capacitive pulses to actually touch buttons on the screen for you as if it was your finger it's insane (laughs) i kind of want one just to try it um because like it's but they don't have an iphone se version so i can't do anything about that but it looks hilarious wow but yeah so at least I feel that it was not that bad when I played. Of course, when it was full P- uh, player versus player, uh, the first few games were a bit hard, but uh, yeah. Also, so you said I- you played it on the iPad, right? 
I played it on my iPad 10, my iPad Pro 10.5. Yeah, uh, I also play it on the iPad. I think that you have an advantage if you play it on the iPad because you see, you can aim much more precisely because you see further into the distance because the little mm. points in the distance are further up. So it's easier to do headshots at a distance, uh, which I did appreciate. I also usually play uh, because PUBG has a switch that lets you go between third player, uh, third person and first person mode. So I usually always play on first person mode because th- then it's even more drastic uh, what a difference it makes to be on a bigger screen. Um, oh, I think I was playing third person shooter. Uh, I didn't know there was a switch for that. Yeah, it's a button that says TPP, and you can go to FPP servers that are first-person perspective. Oh yeah, I recall you were telling me that that there was FPP server because on the on the PC you choose by going to the right servers, right? Yeah, and they don't mix. No, because yeah. you have an advantage by being third-person because you can see around you, whereas in first-person mm. you're restricted to the thing uh, in front of you. True, true, true. So there you go. Yeah, uh, PUBG was to me the first game where it introduced the follow mechanism. So imagine you play in a quad. Um, you might suggest places we should go on the map or the, the first place where we should drop from the flying things that uh, that brings you to the area. Uh, that I don't know if they added on Fortnite. I didn't see it when I tried it, but like I said, I didn't play too much because I don't like it. Uh, but PUBG was the first game where somebody decides and you can say, like, my character does the same thing as this one when we are flying down the plane to the uh, spec on the area. And, and uh, to me, if there was one improvement I would like to have in COD would be the follow mechanism because it is quite good. Sometimes uh, I, when we play my brother, like you're just like lazy looking at your phone while we are about to just drop off the plane and you do something wrong with your wingsuit, which makes you lose some speed. So you don't end up uh, at the same place together. Uh, by having the follow mechanism will make Blackout even better. Uh, in my book and that's one thing i would like uh cut to copy from the other uh, battle royale games i've played in the last two weeks and that's really what i had to say about PUBG. do you have anything else to add let me think real quick uh like all of that uh, all of this is to say is to me PUBG is like if you like blackout and you want to play on mobile uh, you want to have the same experience on mobile you should just get PUBG mobile and enjoy it because to me, they are more of the same game. They're not of the same quality. I feel the maps are... There's multiple maps on that one compared to Blackout. Yeah. Uh, and uh, also compared to Fortnite, I think there's... I've seen only uh, one map. It's hard to tell because Fortnite has seasons with various big changes. So, mm. I mean, the map changes every season in Fortnite and stuff like that. So, it's kind of hard to say. I don't play it as well. So in PUBG, there was like a downloadable map, so by default they are not downloaded. So uh, uh, they are not part of the initial download. So you need to download them while you're playing the game. Uh, and then and there are some choose. really weird, uh, like special modes. Like there's quick match game, which is like your match can't lo- last longer than eight minutes, and you're on a smaller map. Uh, there are a bunch of really cool things. I'll, unfortunately, though, if you're if you're in sort of the startup stage of the game where you would normally play against bots you don't play against bots in those modes so if you choose to do that for your first game you will immediately lose <laughs> yeah but no i think the, those modes are enabled only until you unless you reach a uh, level 10 because i also played a zombie recently uh, they have a specific zombie mode that is battle royale plus zombie mode 
And oh, wow. that is only available if you're level 10. See, that's an homage to H1Z1, which is the game that PUBG was born out of. Um, huh. The other thing to note is that PUBG Mobile has a lot of uh, cosmetic and app purchases and complex systems to unlock shit, which are not in the base game on uh, oh. PC and all that stuff. That is all mobile exclusive because it is the free-to-play game, whereas they actually respect you in the full version of the game and say, no, you paid 40 bucks for this, so we're just going to keep it simple, which is something that I respect a lot. Um, so, yeah, don't, don't get all confused by all that stuff. Oh, so the only thing you can buy in the uh, console game or the PC game is maybe the season pass and that's it? Then the cos- the cosmetic approach is like really downplayed? Yeah, pretty much. Wow. Oh, wow. Maybe I should have bought it. Well, maybe not would... on PS4. <laughs> okay, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> I, don't have, I don't have any like PC. I don't want to buy a game with PC to pay. I, I know. I'm the same way. Uh, yeah. But yeah, PUBG Mobile, I don't know. It's, it, it's recommended. Its UI is super janky. Yes. Uh, it, I mean, like, this is... Oh, that, that's the thing I wanted to say. Yeah. So both Fortnite and PUBG sort of got popular faster than they could actually develop the game and mm, to a problematic degree. Uh, PUBG, when Blackout was coming out, was going through its dark days of like, they were just like, I don't know if they were burning out employees or whatever, but like PUBG Mobile is the only version of PUBG that has actually like managed to keep up with demand. And PUBG on desktop was like in a disastrous weapon balance state and everything. And like blackout came at exactly the right moment to capitalize off of that which is great it meant that it was a huge streaming success uh because a lot of the PUBG players were trying out blackout during that time from what i understand they've sort of recovered the game and it's now back to okay but it's also a lot less popular than it used to be uh namely because fortnite stole a lot of their players uh and so did blackout to some degree although blackout has sort of died down to some degree uh i feel mo- too uh, when i played i think last week or two i feel that there was like less players and it's weird to say that i think that's like a weird feeling you got when you go online is you start to see the same names in your game or you start to say it's take a little bit longer like usually it's instant waiting it again it's like oh no i need to wait three seconds yeah and you see it's like it's a slow slower slower nest of an online game when there's less player it starts to feel yeah, it, it really feels like the COD community has sort of become mostly just the hardcore multiplayer people that usually always play Call of Duty anyway. And sort of the blackout casual crowd has sort of died down. And I think a lot of those people have switched to Apex Legends, which is kind of a great segue point. Into it the is next a great game. segue point because it is the last game. Uh, Apex Legends just got released. And it's funny, last time I played with uh, my brother uh, Black Ops 4, he was saying, hey, my friend talked about Apex Legend. I was like, yes, I need to play it too. Yeah. So uh, if you install it and then end up trying it, give me a, uh, a note. Uh, so some differences with Apex Legend. It has a nice UI. That's a great uh, difference. Typical, uh, uh, what's the name of the, Respawn. Yeah, Respawn does respawn. that with all their games. They all look the same. Oh, yeah, yeah. I heard it was, uh, they are the, the build, they're, excuse me. They're the developers of the Titanfall series, and it's built on the same engine, Apex yes. Legends and Titanfall. Which is strangely enough a derivative of the Source engine that runs Half Life Two and Portal, which you can't tell because these games look really pretty, and it's a very yes. dated engine. Yeah, yeah. So um, it's only on consoles. Uh, so no, it's, it's on PC as well on Origin. I yes, but 
same package oh. like it's not on mobile that's what i mean the like consoles okay, yeah, yeah, pcs yeah. uh but yeah you're correct it's pcs and home consoles and there's no mobile version it is a free play to play app so of course there's a bit of uh you can buy a cosmetic stuff and there's a season pass the first season is starting right this week so when you hear this podcast the, f- the season will have started for at least a week um i like that they had uh two things First, there was a tutorial to tell you how to play the game, mm-hmm. uh, which I feel was l- not lacking, but some games would have needed. Uh, and the other thing, like I mentioned in the COD, is the characters have this fun effect, and they also kind of not explain you, but they, at least they you, they show you that each character have two side effects, uh, two special effects, uh, one that recharge quite fast, and one that is kind of more the big. Uh, side effect, a bit special effect, and that one takes more time to recharge after you use it. But that aspect that is more on the online, the, the typical online side of things for COD is all full on in Apex Legend. This kind of a, um, not, it is not, um, it's kind of a futuristic game here. The aesthetic is like futury land with weird people, weird, uh, kind of futury, uh, guns and everything. It's kind of, it's, I assume it's future sci-fi. Uh, it's not too aggressive. I'm not a big of a sci-fi person uh, in general. So it's just like to give you a different aesthetic of that genre, which I liked. Uh, so the tutorial, the characters, and the revival mechanism, that's kind of where there are the three defenses for Apex Legends. So imagine you die and you're in your triad because there's no solo mode as far as I can see. You're forced there is to always... not. This is a team-based game. Yeah, yeah, it's only in teams. So you're, and it's teams of three. So three odds. And if you die and your other players are still alive, they can go on your backpack and kind of, uh, it's kind of download you more or less. That's the sci fi part of it. They kind of get your sticker. And there are multiple stations that are kind of like portals where you can beam, beam back to life or like kind of call the flying machine that brings you to the arena. And you will come back. But of course, that has a cost. It takes some time to do. So first of all, if you died in a big bloodbath, it might be hard to go get your token. And then you need to find a portal. And of course, it is not an instant revival. So you need to wait and survive around the portal until you arrive. But that was a different twist on the genre, which I have not been able to do because i suck at those games but uh a great uh defense on mechanism i tried to like to revive people and then move them and like you can of course like on most of the battle royale game you kind of get kicked down or kick knocked down yes knocked down excuse me first but depending of where you got it you might just be install killed uh but of course if you get kicked down you can be revived that is also applying here this is really uh, the revival mechanism is really after you fully quote unquote die. Uh, you can be brought back if your players are not like me and are good enough to do so. One, one thing though is when you come back, you have zero gear. You have to go stock up on gear again. Oh, that I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised. And I'm sure there's no like, oh, go to that region of the map and get all back your gear, which some, uh, some online game that I think. Well, yeah. if you go back to your backpack, yeah, you can go get your, your gear out of there, but oh, probably yeah, the person who killed you has already <laughs> taken everything they wanted. Unless your uh, teammates did that for you. Sure. But yeah, uh, that game, I've started to play it. 
two days ago so it's uh, a bit recent but i think in the last two days i've played at least three or uh, about it's about two nights every every two nights yeah two nights two hours so uh, let's say five hours and avon favor as i'm quite excited about it. it's like different like just different enough but the same thing i'm kind of getting used to the different weapons different mechanics the different add-ons on the weapon the different types of ammo understanding the color scheme for this uh and just like slowly but surely like getting to understand how it works but still like i'm i mean still i am officially still in my noob phase uh i like not sure if i'm taking the right uh the right guns for the situation and like finding the right uh not understanding all the power-ups and the revival not the revival but the med kick and all that med kit and all that stuff uh but it is promising uh it is really a good find uh and i will say that maybe i will revisit it a lot uh compared to some of the games we talked tonight uh, but at the same time, if I want to revisit all the three except Fortnite, I have to choose at some point. Mm. And that's kind of where we are. Unless you have uh, s- some more to add about Apex Legends? Uh, yeah, sure. Um, so first of all, I sort of have to celebrate the fact that there is a diverse cast of characters. There are not many characters, but they did a good job in actually having diversity, whether it happens to be uh, LGBT characters, there's a non-binary char- character, there are... Hmm. Uh, people of color like they did a pretty good job which is not something we can say for all hero shooters out there yes you're correct uh i think the other diverse cast is a bit in cod uh there's uh call of duty there's uh some uh, female characters i think some of it maybe imply some of them are queer characters but i didn't see an apex legend where they were implying uh queerness but you're correct that there was a lot of diverse character and that's the one that has the most diverse uh, diversity for sure yeah and i i bring it up mostly because a lot of people who felt excluded from other battle royale games because it was all super macho military simulator uh type stuff well excluding fortnite which was just like unicorn stuff uh, <laughs> a lot of people who were uh who felt excluded from those other games because of the aesthetic uh felt welcomed by this the game this game and it sort of swept the entire like snack exploration discord by storm like now there's more discussion of apex legends than there is super nintendo games uh, in the okay, discord uh, about super nintendo games so yes, sure that's, that's, a, that's a bit <laughs> weird but sure yeah yeah so uh there's a lot of apex going on in, in in my friend circle uh yeah it's really nice i really love the map in this game uh like i mentioned earlier i think that this game has the best map in terms of actual map design because there are all of these, like, uh, if you go into uh, Blackout or whatever, or in PUBG, it's a big, well, it's like an island, but everything is fundamentally like a big open field with little spots like buildings here and mm-hmm. there, like hot spots of buildings. Whereas um, Apex Legends has much more varied terrain, uh, and there are mountains which basically like form enclosements around areas, so there are less there are basically programmed choke points in the map, which I think is really good because it means that you have like natural interactions when people are moving from zone to zone that you don't necessarily have when you're just running around an open field in the other maps. Uh, so that aspect is really nice. There are weird floating platforms that show up sometimes. Uh, Another, an important point though, even if the Mac is more complex and is like creating those choke points, there are less players. 
yeah because it's 60 character uh, 60 players at once on the arena definitely but i think that's actually for the good because on average apex legends matches take less time than uh, other battle royale games do they are over more quickly and i think that's again like there are a certain subset of people who will prefer that because you don't necessarily want to spend half an hour on the map just to win or like there's a certain length associated with like battle royale games it's sort of like (laughs) uh going to mobas briefly for a second like a league of legends game can last an hour but Mm. if you play heroes of the storm you get like similar gameplay except the games usually top out at 20 minutes so if you're more time constrained you're probably going to gravitate towards heroes of the storm because right right. you can play more games and also because it'll be over in 20 minutes and i feel that for black ops 4 what they did is introduce different types of different mode in blackout to kind of get that sense that's feeling back because they they can modify the shrinking of the arena they can modify uh, yeah they mostly do the different modes they just modify the like the rhythm at which uh, the circle shrinks and or they introduce different other stuff to to change the game pace yeah and the other thing i it's sort of what i really like about how apex legends uses the terminology in their game is that um like in other games like the circle is closing or the i forget what it's called in uh fortnite or whatever but like there, there's terminology to basically say like it's a storm in fortnite yeah the storm right so the storm is closing or whatever and that's cool but i like how apex legends says no no, no. these are like waves or phases of the of the game so it's like it makes it feel more like they're thinking about it as a game in like various waves of stuff where there are going to be natural movements from one zone to another, where it feels more designed in that aspect than it does when you're just like trying to make it seem like things are happening naturally with the circle closing, but actually because everything is a big open field, like sometimes you might just not run into anyone in there. Like the lack of choke points is an issue, whereas the nomenclature they're using to signify the closing of the circle just makes it obvious they've thought about this and it's an intentional aspect of the game which shows that they actually know what they're doing uh yeah and i think i'll stop you just there because what you just said they show that they know what they're doing i feel that it is the most complete battle royale game on the market right now not only as a battle royale game but also as a video game like the characters between themselves depending on what is happening there is voiceover Yes. They say that, oh, there's a first blood. Oh my goodness, we need to be careful. And they, they kind of like interact between each other if you're not talking over. I haven't had uh, players talking in my squad. So I don't know if it, this gets kind of removed if you use your microphone. But in most of the games I played, like this was happening or like, oh my God, I'm down. Please come help me. And that's not your character or like you do a combination to do that. Like your character does that by, by itself. Yeah, there's also a lot of interesting communication stuff in Apex Legends. So first of all, there's the ping system, which is something that I don't think other Battle Royale games do because I've heard so many people praise it in Apex Legends for the fact that it exists. Most, uh, it's, it, most of the other ones are quite simple. It's like you ping somebody, to, there's a gun there, or you tell them, come here, but uh, not to the extent of Apex Legends for sure. But I think that's only on the mobile versions because that's like a mobile game thing. 
that's been sort of established over the years for multiplayer and mobile games. Uh, it's also a thing that has been like commonplace in MOBAs and all that stuff for years. So it sort of shows that they've been paying attention to other genres of games that people may be coming from to say like, this is the thing. So uh, starting off, like you can play entire games of Apex Legends not by using your mic and just by using the ping system, which is great for people who don't want to get on the mic. But on top of that, there's speech to text and text to speech. Well, on PC, there's uh, text to speech, but there's also speech to text, which means you don't even have to wear your headset. If you just want to, you can enable the checkbox in the settings that will listen to what your teammates are saying and transcribe it to text on screen. Wow. So you don't need to listen to them. You just like, you just read. read. Wow. Wow. So just from an accessibility point of view, like that's awesome, but it's also like, Sometimes you don't want to hear little six-year-olds squeal into your thing, but you can still understand what they're saying to you by reading the text on screen. So that's pretty nice. You might not. not, (laughs) You might might not as well. Um, But that's like a real nice aspect of the communication stuff that's going on in this game. Uh, And yeah, like the voice lines that are a lot of voice lines, they are generally targeted to another character on your squad. And they are generally related to whatever you've just pinged, if you've pinged something, which is like, it's a lot of voice lines and it's pretty cool. Um, as a fan of Titanfall 2, it's kind of cool how this game ties into the Titanfall universe because hmm. you're technically like, <laughs> the Apex Legends sort of process is kind of the audition for the new villains because at the end of, Ape, uh, of Titanfall 2, the Apex Predators, which are the old people, you kill them all off, and then there's no villains anymore. So, like, Apex Legends oh. is sort of the audition process for the new villains, uh, which is kind of cool uh, cool. when you think about it that way. Um, and I also need to insert just, like, th- this has nothing to do with the game itself, but, like, a meta level of commentary about Respawn's position in EA. Because when Apex was announced, everybody assumed oh no, EA forced Respawn to do a Battle Royale game. This is not what happened. Uh, a couple years ago, when uh, Respawn was acquired by EA, the CEO or president or whatever of Respawn at the time did an interview and uh, he was asked by someone, a games journalist, like, are you working on Titanfall 3? And his answer was... At the moment, we're not working on that. And then an EAPR person jumped in and said, but please don't take that as confirmation that nothing is being worked on or whatever. And then the CEO of Respawn at the moment says, yeah, whatever the fuck that means to the reporter, (laughs) which gives you an idea of their vibe is they are... They cashed out by being purchased by EA, but they are in no way letting themselves get fucked over by EA, which is not something that a lot of other studios can say they've done and so in in interviews it has been very clear like no this has always been the game that we wanted to make and it's it shows in the care that they've actually put into the game this is not something they rushed out because somebody assigning them to do a battle royale game yeah it's maybe less of a cash out but more an opportunity for them to grow the company by being with a bigger player yes but the other thing is they didn't actually, like, EA basically found out at the same time as everybody else what this game was. <laughs> <laughs> Which is saying that EA did not intervene with this at all. Like, they intervened at the end because they actually needed to launch the game. And this was a surprise launch. Like, they had a an event on Twitch where they revealed the whole thing. And, oh, by the way, you can play this today. Uh, which was kind of amazing. And 
I think the fact that there was no hype leading up to the launch of the game was that people had no expectations of what it would be and that it turned out to be a fantastic game made it an even bigger deal than what it actually was. Uh, so I think Apex Legends is a really noteworthy game just because it signifies that maybe you can get purchased by EA and still make good games. And that was something the Titanfall fans were very skeptical of when that happened. And now we just have to pray that Titanfall 3 comes out someday because that would be cool. Good. Was that it on your side for Apex? Yes, I talked a lot, but I am no, passionate no about this game. <laughs> no worries. For me, it's a new one, and it seems that uh, there's a kind of a there's going to be another kind of player movement moving to from maybe the last three ones to that one, and I am quite interested to see where it will be going. But related to that, uh, I. I kind of need to end this episode by kind of talking about which one will I keep continue playing. Mm -hmm. And you might be asking why I need to ask that. Um, as I've been hinting a lot in uh, the, our other uh, video games episode is I have not that much time to play video games. So I need to be careful about what I do. So I might have like periods where I have a lot of time and periods where I have maybe like 30 minutes, like every couple of weeks to play. So... If I want to focus my energy on one Battle Royale game, I would, might need to do that. And not being able, like, having three games that I want to play that are Battle Royale games might not be the best strategy. So with all of this uh, kind of like comments about all of these games, it is quite clear that I won't be playing any more of Fortnite, to be honest. <laughs> uh, maybe if there's, like, new updates, I might revisit to see if it's still not what I like, but I don't think so. So that's, like... Uh, easy removal of that list of course i bought black ops 4 and that one is going to stay uh but with the coming of apex it's kind of making me kind of revisit this and i'm not sure what i'll do uh because i could see apex being around for me uh in a few months Uh, but it might still not be. I might just like revisit a couple of times because I want to uh, to play to it, uh, take on Battle Royale, but mostly if I want to play with some of my friends, which when they play it, it's either you or my brother. And uh, uh, depending if my brother skips, goes to Apex, I might be more tempted to not go there, but may play it more. But the idea to say is I will still continue focusing on COD because that's the one I like the most. It feels to me that It might not be the perfect one the, or the best one on the market, but it's close to be it. Uh, and if you want recommendation right now, it's say Black Ops 4 or Apex. They are two both battle, great battle royale game. Uh, but like if you choose one of those two, I won't really judge you. I'll just say that you did make a good choice on battle royale game. And in right now in 2019, if you start with those two. It might be hard for you to visit Fortnite or PUBG because those are two great games and two great Battle Royale games. Uh, PUBG, I think, is still there. Uh, if you want to have the mobile aspect, I think it is worth reconsidering. And of course, if you're a big construction fan, I guess a big Minecraft fan, you might like Fortnite more. But as you heard tonight, this is not my game and won't be. So I feel that PUBG will stay on my iPad for sure. Uh, whether I play it more or not will change. I maybe try to play it on my, install it on my phone too. So I have maybe better opportunities on my phone. 
but the, I think PUBG Mobile will kind of become the the Battle Royale on mobile for me, where I want to play Battle Royale, but where I, when I have the time is maybe not in front of the computer or in front of excuse me in front of a PS4. Uh, that would become it. But I would say that I would focus mainly on Black Ops 4 and maybe Apex. Uh, but that the future will tell us. Cool. Do you, are you planning to spend more time on Black Ops 4? You did mention that you haven't played it too much in the past few months. Uh, honestly, my main goal in Black Ops 4 would not have to do with Blackout. It would have to do with um, main multiplayer. I would like to get to the first prestige and then stop. Hmm. Uh, I think I'm about halfway there. Uh, the problem is like now that we're so far along in Black Ops lifetime... I think I'm more likely to just get completely owned every time I get online by more mm. skilled players. Whereas when I was at the start of the game's life cycle, I had a lot more chance to actually win. Um, and I, like, I haven't kept up with all the weapon balance patches and all that stuff since December. So I'm, I'm not sure if I will return to Blackout. I do occasionally pop in and play a PUBG mobile game once in a while just because I feel like it. Um, that's probably the one I play most often these days, just because, like, if I'm just waiting somewhere and I'm not necessarily at home, I can just, like, pop in a game once in a while and that works fine for me. Um, Apex, I'm de- I- I've definitely enjoyed the little I've played of it. I would like to play it more. The problem is, like, <laughs> my year of PlayStation is also kind of <laughs> conflicting with this because I've decided to start playing, like, 27-hour-long games every month. Uh, not yeah, every month, about that. but every couple months. And the problem is that now I have less time to play, like, games as a service. Uh, and th- this will undoubtedly come up during our games of the year episode because i have a lot of meta commentary on how my gaming life has changed in the last couple months um, so yeah it's mostly PUBG mobile um i'm interested in playing more apex it definitely helps that the entire exploration crew is playing apex so if i want to play with friends i can basically at any time of day uh so that helps um but it's just fitting that into my schedule is not obvious right now and who knows, maybe there are going to be more cool Battle Royale games. E3 is coming up. Uh, there are other Battle Royale games I'm technically interested in. Uh, I just can't play them because I don't have a PC. Uh, I mentioned to you the other day a Ring of Elysium, which is a weird snowboarding Battle Royale oh, game. Yeah, you mentioned that. Which takes place on a mountain. Uh, you take, instead of getting flown over an island or whatever by plane or helicopter or whatever or bus, uh, you can just take the chairlift up the mountain and drop off, which is like amazing, stupid how you think about it. And the twist is that uh, you have to actually escape by helicopter at the end instead of uh, landing from a helicopter. So I, I don't know. That that game looks really cool. I'm just sad there's no mobile version um, because I would play that all the time. Um, One of the games that I wanted to personally cover this episode, but uh, for two reasons I did not, uh, one of which is a, a bit of lack of time uh, and mainly B, laziness to buy the Nintendo Switch online subscription, but Yannick gave me a solution today, so it was a bit too late, but is the Tetris 99, which is a Battle Royale take on Tetris, which seems yes. crazy. 
Uh, it is a free game, but it requires an online Switch Online subscription. And by the way, we will put the link in the show notes. But Yannick sent me a link that if you're a Prime subscriber, uh, hopefully it works in Canada. I haven't tried yet. It does. Oh, good. So, uh, but if you're a Prime subscriber, now you can enable a three months for free, and in sixty days you can then redeem a nine months free a coupon, a nine months coupon for a free Switch Online. So it gives you a free year of Nintendo Switch Online from Amazon Prime slash Twitch Prime. Uh, so that's like a great, 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 great offer right now. Uh, so if you have a Switch and haven't paid for Switch Online, uh, that is a great solution. I have to see because uh, we, Tony and I were kind of planning at some point to buy a family subscription for it. But now if we just get it for free, but it's not for free because it's only for one account, we'll have to decide on which account we will enable it. So I have to have a good discussion about that in the next few moments after this podcast. I should also point out that uh, this does stack with your current subscription so if you already paid for a year subscription or whatever uh, to nintendo switch online you will get an additional year for free oh so maybe that's what i could do hmm. yeah i don't know how it works relative to the family plan and all that stuff but yeah. i was reading up on twitter and that is how it works huh, uh, okay. yeah Te- tetris 99 is really interesting because it, it seems like a bad joke idea that someone decided to make real and it actually worked out pretty well. Uh, what's interesting about Tetris 99 is you get to sort of tar- decide who you're targeting your attacks against. So when you clear Tetrises, you basically queue up uh, garbage blocks and you have different options as to who you want to target. So you can use, I think it's the touchscreen or one of the sticks to actually aim for a specific person. If you really hate number 63, you can just go mouse over 63, press a button, and they are going to be getting all your garbage blocks. You can also use various auto-target settings. So you can say, target people who are closest to dying, and you can just like close them out. Uh, The problem with that sort of thing is that if everybody is choosing that KOs option, then you might be sending garbage blocks to someone at the same time as someone else, and then you just wasted your blocks on someone who's already dead. Uh, mm. There's uh, medals. You get medals for clearing Tetrises and other various things and getting kills. Uh, so you can just target the players with the most medals, uh, which is likely to take out people who are the most dangerous on the field. Uh, you can uh, use attackers, which is anybody who is targeting you will get fired back with those things. So there is some strategy to actually manipulating your garbage blocks in a way to basically get as many kills as possible uh, to get as many medals as possible to sort of accelerate the the process. So it's a really interesting game. You can watch a lot of it on Twitch because everybody was playing it for a while. Now it's more of the hardcore Tetris community is going yes. big into this. <laughs> and an interesting note is that uh, Tetris 99 is by Arika, who does the Tetris Grandmaster games. So this is mm. a quality implementation of Tetris, if I do say so myself. Uh, so yeah, very recommended. It is also pretty much the only reason to pay for the Nintendo Switch Online subscription right now, which is kind of sad, but uh, I mean... Nintendo Switch it oh, never yeah. has online games unless you can't Splatoon which is kind of dead right now oh really because uh, I think about a month ago I wanted to play Splatoon and I forgot that I can't play Splatoon anymore because the beta is done yeah there are always like kids and casuals playing but like a lot of the people who were big into Splatoon 2 appear to have moved to other things so it kind of reminds me of what people did with Splatoon 1 but now let's not go into Splatoon again 
good so that was it about uh, battle royale games so that's kind of uh, the limitable take for these i'm sure if there's new ones uh we will revisit then and uh, if i decide to uh, now uh, when i get uh, this uh, subscription on the nintendo Switch online i will uh, give us back some maybe a mini topic in a future episode where i talk about that is 99 because i really want to try this one for sure okay uh, before we go into the closing, I do have something to announce uh, to the podcast, which is uh, a month from now, I will be participating in the Ludum Dare Game Jam with my friend Wolf. Uh, so it is possible that this may uh, may make us take a two-week break uh, from the show. We have discussed it in the past, but we still haven't come to a conclusion on that. Uh, so we will let you know in the next episode about that. Um, but And on Twitter, of course. And yes, on and on Twitter. Um but yeah, so uh, I will be trying to make a video game in 72 hours with my friend Wolf. It will undoubtedly become a uh, future episode topic, of course. Um, so think up some questions and send them to the Twitter. <laughs> Hopefully we'll be also able to play that game, maybe. Oh, definitely. If we actually do end up making something, uh, because like, since it's our, well, it's my first time doing a game jam, so he said like, no pressure, you don't actually have to make something that is deliverable but i would really like to uh and i'm very excited to be participating in this because like we made plans to do this back in december and i've been looking forward to this uh ever since so uh very excited about that um so yeah uh hope our audience can get excited with me because this is going to be real cool and on my side, uh, I'll, around that time, that's why we might take a break. I have a shit ton of stuff in April, one of which is I'll be attending NSNort. I have been discussing uh, NSNort a lot in previous episodes of this podcast. So this year it is in uh, my city in Montreal. And it is, so I don't mix up the dates. I'm slowly but surely looking at the dates because I forgot. So it's on the... April 26th to the April 28th in Montreal. And if you liked what I said about this conference and want to meet me, I'll be there. But if you like what I've said a lot in the past about it, you can find more information at nsnor.ca and you can buy a ticket there. So that's it. So yes, as you can see, Yannick and I will be quite busy this April. So stay tuned uh, about uh, what's going to happen for the podcast in April. And as a treat for sticking to the very end of this rather long episode, I will also add a tease for my next episode in two Ooh. weeks, which is I will finally be reacting to the news that Angela Ahrens has left Apple two oh months later. Yes, I, I forgot that that was one of your topics. Yes. So <laughs> look forward to that in two weeks when it's definitely not topical anymore. Uh, but in the meantime, if you'd like to go listen to, uh, well, actually, if you'd like to find the show notes for this particular episode, you can go to limitlesspossibility.net slash 110, or you can find all of the episodes of this fabulous podcast at limitlesspossibility.net. You can find information about our podcast on the Twitter at twitter.com slash limipo underscore podcast. That's L-I-M-I-P-O underscore podcast. You can find me complaining about various things on Twitter at Sakurina. That's S-A-K-U-R-I-N-A. And you can find Yukarivi not posting much on Twitter at... Lucanos, that's L-U-C-C-O-N-O-U-C-H-E. And I like that you call it the Twitter. That's quite funny. Oh, I love the Twitter. <laughs> I love the bird site. And we'll see you in two weeks. <laughs> see you in two weeks.